Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, a show about living your very best life. So when I think of topics for the show, I always go back to my original thought of how do we live our best lives? And one thing that comes up in my practice, in my talks, and everywhere I go is the concept of resiliency. It's a pretty hot topic these days. And certainly, um, I know when I speak, I always tell people that um, if I had the choice to offer my own children happiness or resiliency, I would actually choose resiliency, which usually gets people a little alarmed. The reason I say that is because there are good times and there are bad times, and I can't control for that. But if you arm your children with resiliency, they will know what to do during the difficult times. So I went researching um, to see who is a big expert on this topic because I wanted to bring you the best and by the way if you do want to join the conversation today you hear anything you want to ask about you can join the conversation at 1-866-472-5792 I found Dr. Michael Unger and he is the Canadian Research Chair in Child Family and Community Resilience at Dalhousie University and the founder and director of the Resilience Research Center so definitely found the right person. He's one of the best-known writers and researchers on the topic of resilience in the world. As a family therapist and professor of social work, he's helped identify important factors that influence resilience in children and adults during periods of transition and stress, which is great because we're going to learn how to build that muscle. He's written 14 books that have been translated into five languages, manuals for parents, educators, and employers, over 150 scientific papers. So we definitely want to talk to him about it. He's written uh, some best-selling works that are called things like To Sail for Their Own Good, How Risk and Responsibility Help Teens Thrive, and I Still Love You, Nine Things Troubled Kids Need from Their Parents. And he has a blog. He's going to tell us all about that. I have two kids. I definitely am going to want to learn about this. But let me start by welcoming you to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Unger, for joining us. Oh, a real, a real pleasure. And sorry for the long bio. <laughs> uh, it's an impressive bio. And I guess my first question is that is um, I'm very interested myself in resilience. It's, you know, I, I treat people with anxiety and depression and I've, you know, through the many years I've been doing this, resilience seems to be a key factor on who does well and who doesn't. What made you interested in the topic of resilience? Well, probably uh, to tell you the truth, two things. One was some of the young people I was working with who also fit the same profile you just talked about. And of course they trouble their families a lot. Um, what you begin to notice, of course, is that some make it through, that some are actually doing, well, better than you would expect uh, under the circumstances. So they have severe mental health challenges, they're very anxious, they're being bullied, they're whatever's going on in their lives, and they actually are getting through that, and they seem to be sort of, you know, surpassing our expectations of them. So, you know, years ago, I really got curious about that, and that sort of led to a long and, uh, you know, multi-million dollar uh, program of research all around the globe that has kind of said, well, why do some kids survive better than others? 
But to be honest, there was also a personal factor. I'm, I'm one of these young people myself, and I grew up uh, sort of emancipated by the age of 16 and was on my own. And, and basically, um, you know, I think there was always a little bit of my own personal curiosity. Um, and it's a story I actually talk about in, in uh, I Still Love You and in sort of understanding the kids I've been working with and some of the things that make them resilient. It's been a fun process of also reflecting back on my own sort of uh, path to where I am in life now. It's interesting because as I listen to you talk about that, it sounds, uh, I can relate to it, it sounds like perhaps you turned your lemons and turned them into lemonade is one of the bonuses. I mean, there's a lot of hardship from having to discover a lot of things on your own quite young. But one of the bonuses is you definitely develop the muscle of resilience because you have to cope. Is that right? Well, you do. And, you know, fortunately, if you have a certain set of talents or you can draw on something inside of you um, and... And this is perhaps where uh, what we're actually understanding about resilience is that it's this it's this dynamic, it's this exchange, this, this sort of ping pong game that we play with the environment around us, the the family that we have or the the opportunities that we have around us to actually be able to succeed. And in my case, you know, I had, I certainly had uh, some, I had some smarts, I had some, I definitely had some drive, I, you know, I, I wanted to, to make something of myself. But on the other side of that, there were also some really important uh, both people and opportunities that came my way as I was growing up that kind of basically the world rewarded me for who I was. And, and I think that when I'm actually working, whether I'm working with you know, street kids in Colombia or I'm working with, you know, uh, a, a kid who's, you know, just going through absolutely, you know, a hellish situation at home for whatever reason, um, I'm often seeing that same pattern. Is that is there are they in fact you know saying to the world I've got something to offer and is the world kind of coming back to them and saying okay you know we're going to value that and we're going to give you an opportunity to shine. Yeah, it's it's really well said. Um, so you know I, I work with people all the time I, who have kids, teenagers, children, um, coping well, not coping well, and so a really important thing to clarify. I have my own opinions on this, but I certainly want to hear yours. Is our children naturally resilient, or do we make our children resilient? Well, I th- it's actually the answer is both. So obviously, I mean, you know, our kids, we are just innately programmed to, for instance, uh, in, in, you know, to want to do good for others. We, we sort of have this penchant to sort of help and contribute and mimic and, and a drive to obviously feel good. And, and uh, there's, there's a sort of just the way we're wired to is to reach out to our environment and to evoke from that environment experiences that are going to reward us, whether it's that tiny little baby that, you know, they, 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 they Google and, you know, turtle a little bit and then we respond to them. And then there's this kind of back and forth game that we play even with a very young child. Well, it, it's the same all the way through. But the trick is, and, and this is where the story of resilience really gets interesting, is it does involve that that other responding to us. So, you know, Sandra, if I, if I could, the, the way I often explain it to my audiences is by, by twisting the story of, well, you know, Cinderella around. Everyone, everyone often thinks about Cinderella, right, as kind of a resilient kid. She comes out of hardship, the evil quote-unquote stepmoms. Apologies to all stepmoms out there. They do get a bad rap in the stories. But... Have you ever noticed how the story is always told from the point of view of Cinderella, that somehow she survives on her own, yeah. 
wins the prince. But if you really think about it, the story isn't about Cinderella. The whole magic of the story is the fairy godmother. And if Cinderella didn't have a fairy godmother who can turn pumpkins into carriages, where would she have ended up in life? She certainly wouldn't have had the prince. She, you know, she would have probably been a kid who ran away eventually from a very bad home. And, you know, gosh, <laughs> knows where she ends up. So for me, I'm going to argue that while we do have our capacity to be Cinderella's or whatever male equivalent you want, we also need our fairy godmothers. And if I could, you know, the mental health professionals, the people like I, I, us that are therapists, the, the, the teachers that knock themselves out, they are, they are communities of fairy godmothers and fairy godfathers who are making resilience in our kids possible. I can't even express how much I love that metaphor and that analogy. I don't know if you know that on top of the fact that that was so well said that I wrote one book in my career because um, uh, one was enough. It took a lot of time. And the book was called how, Once Upon a Time, How Cinderella Grew Up and Became a Happy and Empowered Woman. So it's very ironic that you gave that example. I, I really got a real chuckle out of that. Well said. Well said. Yeah. It's a yeah, good, it's, it's, it's it is that notion of that of that of that game back and forth, and and I mean as a, I mean to be fair, I mean that's a fun example and it's a great example. But the science, whether we're talking, and this is going, I don't want to get too technical, obviously, but but you know we're talking like the epigeneticists that you know the folks looking at all our genomes and everything else, they are basically saying that our genes are triggered by our environment. And if you think about, uh, or if you talk about to the environmental scientists who are looking at whether or not when we see a tree, do we take less pain medication? Or if you're talking about the way schools are designed, if you're talking about the way families can help their kids to grow up healthy, every single one of these conversations says that resilience has something to do with us having special qualities that can be nurtured. But ultimately, it's also about that, 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 that world around us at multiple levels that is going to reward us for those special things. So important. And, you know, let me, you know, play the other side of the coin because a lot of what I see in my office and people listening to the show for sure are going to want to know about this is can we unfoster resilience? Because I see a lot of helicopter parenting, quote unquote, where parents are doing everything for their kids and it's almost like children are unlearning resilience. Is that how you see it? Oh, very much so. In fact, it's funny, you know, swapping book titles here, but Too Safe for Their Own Good was exactly that phenomenon of this overprotective parenting. Um, this is how I came at it, this. I was going around the world. I was watching very resilient kids in all kinds of environments around the globe doing really well. And then I would come back to my own community here in, Nor- in, in North America and see parents literally not giving their kids the very same things that the most robust children in the globe were finding from their families. So things like genuine contributions and, and this type of thing. Anyways, I'll say I've discovered that there's at least nine things that make kids resilient. And when you are overprotective as a parent, you're probably denying your kids those things. Interesting. Okay. So um, when we come back, we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the dangers of being overprotective. And something that you brought up to me when we prepared for this show is the role of chores in making children resilient. Like, oh, this is going to be interesting. So chores can help make your child resilient. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Straight Talk with Sandra Reich.
life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So, great show today. We have the fascinating Dr. Michael Unger on the show, and I'm, I keep worrying I'm not saying your name right. Am I saying it right? Yeah, U-N-G-A-R, and it rhymes with hunger. Okay, good. I'm doing good. Um, and I'm really enjoying the conversation, and I know our listeners love when we bring in a little bit of personal aspects. So I'm going to do that right now. Is that So I grew up, um, I had European parents, came post-World War II. Um, so in some ways, uh, they, you know, we learned the work ethic. They were pretty tough on us. But in other ways, they had seen such difficult times that there was a lot of, on the second of two, a lot of protectiveness. And uh, something over the years made me feel that I want to experience something different. And I decided to go work in a bar. 22 years later, um, I was still working in a bar. It's hard to believe, but that's really where I feel I have my real psychology degree uh, from, but I divert. Um, I found those 22 years in the bar business 
they were tough and they taught me um, survival skills that I could have never learned in a somewhat protected or actually quite protected environment. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm going to lead that into this conversation about chores and, you know, your book also that you talked about, Too Safe for Their Own Good. Again, it makes sense that parents would be overprotective after going through World War II, but it has fallout. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and here's actually one of the, just, just to sort of give people some context to this, we are seeing a spike in anxiety disorders amongst oh. children at a time when all other uh, physical and mental health problems in children are either constant or dropping, we are literally seeing huge spikes in anxiety disorders in our children. And so this has gotten out of hand for sure. And I guess what we're understanding is that, that children, for proper development, they need to be sort of pushed to, and I'm going to use the word manageable amounts of risk and responsibility, or what I've called the risk taker's advantage. And that's kind of, I think the conversation has been so much on protecting our children. What we forgot as parents is that actually that's not just our job. Our job is actually to get our children ready for life. And that, of course, involves, the, you know, the opportunities to make decisions for themselves, to, to, to make mistakes. I, my, my best example, I, I often think about when my children were more around, like, say, eight years old. And I used to think, well... You know, what the whole point would be, if you're going to go take them to the soccer field or something like that, what you really want to do is say to the kid, well, you go down to the washing machine and you pack your own gear, you get everything ready, I'm going to make the sandwiches and I'm going to load the van or whatever. And, and of course, parents will often say, well, they're going to forget, they're going to forget their left shin pad. And I always say, that's exactly what you want to happen. And then you don't want to just come home and get the shin pad. You want them to sit on the bench and to feel that anxiety or that little bit of, well, not anxiety, but that, 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 that discomfort of saying, I messed up and this was a problem that I can solve. And so the next time, they're probably going to remember their shin pad or maybe it's going to take three or four tries. But oh the, my God, I love this. But the point is that don't you want them at age eight to experience that sort of sense of discomfort that they've made a mistake till before they get to be 16 and they try something completely outlandish or 24 and they run up their visa bill to some outrageous amount of money that they can't pay back. or Like there's all these other perils that they're going to hit later in life. If we don't give them manageable ones that have no big consequence for the future when they're old enough to handle the consequences and fix the mistake, then we're not actually doing our job as parents. I think that's actually part of it. Oh, my God. People listening to the show are going to think that uh, we had secret meetings in advance. You talk so similarly to me. And it's something I struggle with with my clients because a lot of very well-meaning parents say to me, yes, but then my child will suffer on the bench or they'll miss school. And I say to them all the time and let them miss school. Don't let them sit around watching TV all day when they miss school. But yes, our kids have to have discomfort. I completely agree. So why is it, and women I find are worse at this, and I'm a woman, uh, why is it that we fall so much into caretaking our kids? Why are we so afraid of our kids having discomfort? Well, I think that some folks have been looking at this. I, it has something to do with, generally speaking, it's a phenomenon that more people, the smaller our families become, and ironically, the, the more wealthy we become, this is what seems to be the pattern. 
And maybe it has to do with we somehow get that our child's success is tied up with our own personal definition of success. Whereas, it, you know, maybe it was just good enough that children sort of had nice little nice lives. They, they, they got on, they, they had a nice relationship, they moved on, whatever. But suddenly it feels like sometimes that, that you know, that child's experience, whether it's the hockey parent who's timing, you know, my child played eight seconds less than the other child, and suddenly they feel the narcissistic wound, the slight, that somehow this is against them. And, yeah. and what we need to do, I mean, to be fair, I understand that. But at the same time, we really have to challenge ourselves to say, just a second, maybe the thing to do here is to let my child monitor the amount of time that they're playing or whatever and see if they feel that somehow they've been wrong. And if they do, coach them or teach them to say something to their coach. Because what's happening, unfortunately, is these a lot of children aren't developing these life skills to confront, you know, terrible situations later in life. And I, I mean, I'll just give you a very funny example because I teach in a university and, and, and you think, you know, the kids we get, our students would have that independence. But in fact, the biggest challenge now on university campuses is not plagiarism. It's actually parents writing papers for their kids. Oh, my. I'm not, this is, this has become a serious problem. And then you as a teacher, you know, as a professor, you kind of have to say, you know, to the student, well, I noticed your mom misspelled there, there, and there. She keeps confusing. Them. <laughs> you know? and it's like, you know, you just, how do you say that politely, right? Oh my God. Really? I can't, this I have not heard. This is new for me. I can't believe it. It's, it's, unfor- and even to uh, parents are showing up at residences. Um, parents are calling after job interviews, they're calling employers to ask about why their kid didn't get a job. They're um, making, you know, they're setting up the kids' bank accounts. I have met, I have met young people who honestly really do not know even how to like, well, write a check or uh, pay, pay even, you know, anything. They have, they have, they've just lost these essential skills as as sort of older. They're not ready to make that transition into adulthood, and that I think parents really have to stop and say, is my child well, maybe they're protected, yes, but are they ready for life? Which is really about resilience, about having those capacities to to have the skills to interact in the world in a way that 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 basically will be able to survive a tragedy, as something that really is burdensome on us. You know, you're making really important and brilliant points, and I I want to highlight two things you said that I I think are so important. One is that, uh, and I'm glad you said it, that anxiety disorders in children are at an all-time high. We're seeing this more and more. And the other thing that I want to highlight is that I think that on an unconscious level, um, to keep children and teenagers and young adults non-resilient or not, you know, doing things for them, in some ways is a selfish, it's a selfish act, right? Because it keeps um, the narcissism as a play there, because it keeps your children very dependent on you and I think that sometimes and it's it's a slippery slope you can understand how parents fall into this you you know it's a nice feeling to feel needed and as we get older we're needed less and less but I think that that unconsciousness has to become conscious that that is no longer doing something for your child it's actually creating a dependency is doing something for you and that's a hard truth but I think an important one yeah and th- that's exactly the dynamic of if it's about us, then maybe we have to turn this conversation over to what do our children need. And the, what our actually children need is, and I see this all over the world, I see this in my clinical work and my research, is, of course, children need structure, but they also need 
consequences that are reasonable for to guide them forward so that they 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 know how to to deal with a, a situation or if they make a mistake that they can fix it as my example about the soccer and the sh- missing shin pad um, it's funny but in our research we also know that children need their their parents yes but actually here's the interesting thing Sandra. children in our research we also show that children need lots of other relationships i i jokingly say you want your child um, uh, to uh, have strangers and you want children to talk to strangers I know that's kind of oh my god your parents got a little bit crazy <laughs> but but it's joking joking aside you want your child to be have a comfort level to talk to a stranger in a in a in a restaurant to order to to you know to to operate a little bit on their own because ultimately that's the skill set that's going to get them through um, I also think about things like you want your children to experience a sense of control you want them to have a powerful identity. You want them to like who they see in the mirror. Now, all of those experiences are things that we create environments for children to experience. So a, ch- a child is given choices that they can manage. And when we do that right, it's, it seems like this is basically, um, uh, it, it facilitates them so that they can actually grow up in a really good way. It's, it's this dynamic, isn't it? It's, it's back to that ping pong metaphor of us. Mm-hmm. We needing these things and then the world rewarding us for, with them. Amazing. Now, I promised before the last break that we talk about the role of chores in making children resilient. Is there a role in terms of chores and oh, resilience? Absolutely. I mean, and this is comes. I mean, this comes from the kids themselves. When I when I watch kids who are resilient, what they'll tell me is that they have a genuine contribution to the welfare of others. Um, a while back, I even wrote a book on this called We Generation. But I mean, the whole idea is that that if if we don't want selfish kids, we have to give them as the adults in their life opportunities. Now, I do say a genuine contribution. Like, for instance, if, if you want a kid to feel really powerful and special and a powerful identity and like they belong in your family and everything else, I mean, it's if you're having a dinner party for grandpa's 90th birthday, you know, it's one thing to tell them to empty the dishwasher. Eh, you know, okay, that's a nice thing to have them do. But it's a whole other thing to say, I'm really struggling here to keep up and get everything ready and everything else. Would you make the cake or ice the cake? Now, I know, I know, and you know that it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be kind of lopsided and, you know, not kind of disheveled and the icing isn't going to be the right color and everything else. But the point is, you can bet that grandpa and everyone else is going to really acknowledge that that's an amazing cake or an amazing icing job or something. And there's this dynamic again that we want kids to have chores. Then some of it is routine, like mowing the lawn or whatever. But some of it also has to be acknowledged as a genuine contribution to the welfare of the family, that, that this family is better off for what the child has done. That's the message. Uh, you know, I, no words. Great strategy. Very important for people to hear. We're going to come right back and we're going to talk about why, and this is fascinating to me, why some children seem to thrive and sometimes their sibling doesn't. We'll be right back with Straight Talk with Sandra Rich. Network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. 
thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. Resiliency, an important skill for children to have, for all of us to have, and a predictor of life success. So before the break, I was wondering, Dr. Unger, why is it that sometimes same family, same parents, one child seems to thrive and the sibling does not? How do we understand that? Well, the way we understand it is is we have to think about this, and unfortunately, it gets a little bit complicated because you have to think about things like personality, genetics, um, but you also have to think about talents and uh, opportunities that we're rewarded for. I mean, <clears throat> let's face it, some families are just having a certain, they'll honor a certain personality, a certain more robustness in a child, one who gets out there and rough and tumble. Uh, another family might actually find that a very difficult personality type and actually feel more like the shy, withdrawn, studious child is actually the better, the better fit for them. Now, that's, that's kind of boiling it down a lot. But what we do know is that if you think about a whole bunch of moving parts, um, genetics, of course, uh, and a little bit of add personality, but then you begin to think about cultural norms, what's valued in that particular family, uh, what's valued in the school system, uh, gender as well, of course, you know, expectations on us as boys and girls. All these things, if you begin to sort of juggle all these balls in the air, you begin to think, okay, wait, wait, this is a very complicated puzzle of interactions. And it's not that unlikely that, that in this push-pull, you know, a child might go one direction while a sibling with a different, slightly different set of 
uh, capacity to evoke from their environments what they need and certain different set of talents is going to be rewarded or given cues or given opportunities that are quite different as well. So you can sometimes see two siblings and one ends up, you know, the the, the, the great scholar or the great uh, name your perfect ideal profession and the other is somehow uh, perceived as or maybe they end up in um, some sort of addictions problem or something like that. So what we actually know from those things is that genetics accounts for uh, 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 maybe anywhere from 20 to 30 to 40 percent of, of, of our outcomes and then the environment accounts for a whole bunch more. So, you know, so how we're rewarded and, and this constant sort of dance uh, with the world. If I could, Sandra, just to give you a very simple example of that, think about a child, and we know this from research, um, a child who's raised, say a child who's very hypersensitive to his environment, but he's raised in a home that's very nurturing, very secure, uh, absolutely zero stress on a child. We know that these hypersensitive children quite often become very artistic, very expressive people. They're the, they're the painters, the artists, those kinds of things. But put that same child with that hypersensitivity into an environment where they're not cushioned, where the family is in chaos, has been a lot of disruption, a lot of maybe violence in the community or whatever, a lot of moving around, a lot of poverty, et cetera, et cetera. And that same set of, of, of sensitivities in a very harsh environment could actually just cause a child to, well, develop anxiety, to, to, to sort of shy away from the world. Um, and this, and this, so you begin to sort of think in terms of these, uh, what's sometimes referred to as orchids and dandelions. And each kind of flower thrives in a very different environment. Switch mm. the environment and the flower doesn't do so well. Mm, fascinating. Makes sense. Um, you know, I've noticed also that, you know, the firstborn, secondborn concept that, you know, with our first child, we do tend to bubble wrap a bit more than with our second child. Um, and sometimes part of it is also the more the child that we look out for more tends to be less resilient. Yes, that, that you do sort of anecdotally see that uh, see that pattern where somehow I think with the second child, we're all just frankly too exhausted to pay that much yeah. attention. Right? We're just, you know, you're all just, you're just happy you don't drop them. You're so exhausted for if your two children are born reasonably uh, close together. Yeah. Um, now, I think there is something about that the first child has a lot more attention doted on them. And the other side, though, of that is sometimes you also see that child raised with a lot more responsibilities right. for siblings. So it can... Uh, it can cut both ways. But what you're highlighting, Sandra, is something so important, is that you're talking about a dynamic within a family unit and that, that different children, based on the opportunities they get to shine and to show their talents, are going to experience th- their, their parents and their, their family situation in very different ways because yeah. of that, right? I mean, if you, know, if you have a lot of children and you're the eldest and you have to look after them, then you're going to sort of respond to that um, if you know, you're the only child and you're being doted upon a lot and you're not getting a lot of chances to sort of, you know, spread your wings and try things because you're the focus of all the attention, then sometimes those kids actually develop a capacity to talk to adults really well. They're very good communicators, but they don't always have the sort of the social skills to work with their peers and that type of thing. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Uh, I see that quite a lot. Um, another thing that, is, that I see happening a lot is a lot of schools are reaching out. We give a lot of, uh, our center gives a lot of talks to schools. They're wanting to know all the time, what can they do to help children become more resilient? Do you think the school has a role? 
Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I know I blog on a variety of topics on Psychology Today's website, but I mean, in some of those blogs, I often will talk also about schools. And they, I mean, you know, we often focus on schools as, you know, bullying and, and we, we worry about this and we worry about that. But but you think about it, schools are fundamentally a, a catalyst for resilience or they can be mm. when they when they allow themselves, I'm not sure if, if many of your listeners can identify with this movement among some schools to stop allowing children to, uh, one school I know won't let children do cartwheels anymore because they might fall on their head. If you oh my God, no, I, I cannot believe you're telling me this. I am telling you, and there's schools that won't let children run on the playground anymore because they might trip and fall. So schools can become as as absolutely crazy as, as some parents on, on these kinds of overprotective rules. But when schools don't do that and they function as spaces where children are, in a sense, given, coming back to some of the themes I've been talking about, let's, talk, let's list them off, structure and reasonable consequences, great things for kids to have. Great things for kids to talk, well, I've said talk to strangers, but the real idea is to have those connections with someone other than their parents. I, the one I always find, kids who seem really vulnerable in my practice always end up talking to the janitors at school. Those mm-hmm. janitors are these salt of the earth people who just sort of, you know, they're kind of let their ki- let these kids kind of stay off the playground and be sheltered in their shadow as they sort of do the chores of the, of the school. Um, I, love, I, love, I love when kids can make it feel like they really genuinely belong at school when, when, when people, you know, see them there. They, they, uh, a lot of kids experience when they enter the school someone saying their name, greeting them by name, noticing if they have their lunch. Those small acts of kindness, what I'm hearing from kids, is that adds up to saying that this is a safe place. And this might be, for some kids, the only place that they feel safe in their world. Um, so if you begin to accumulate these things, you begin to say, wow, you have a rich environment. And I haven't, by the way, I'm not talking at all about math and science and learning. And I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about engagement, of, of giving a child a feeling of safety, security, predictability, uh, commitment, uh, learning life skills, of, of routine, of all these things that, that fundamentally give an, a child an opportunity for that that reflection on their life, that feeling of really being cared for, of being safe, and and ultimately, if I could add, even being social, being treated in a socially just way, being treated fairly. These are what this is what schools can give kids. Wow, uh, well said. And I know the dilemma that they're having is, you know, you mentioned schools where you can't run, you can't do a cartwheel, which sounds outrageous to me. But I know that when I talk with schools, uh, they tell me that it, part of that is coming from the fact that when they do allow, and I, I don't know that particular example, but when they do stretch a little bit, and let kids fall on their feet, so to speak, literally and figuratively, then the parents are complaining. So they're in a tough situation. And so my question there would be is how you know obviously a radio show is one way but how else do we get the word out and get parents on board with this because the schools are not going to create the environment that you're talking about if the parents keep especially private schools which the parents are paying and if the parents are not on board there's a constant dilemma uh, after I mean being seeing it so so part of this is I, I, two, two solutions one is sort of the, the the community wide I say to parents find another parent who thinks like you um, one of the examples is a walking school bus I'm not sure if you if your listeners have heard that phrase but it's where parents in a community say we're fed up with you know basically watching our kids not have enough exercise and the school is not that far and the roads are not that big and gosh darn why don't we get three or four kids together into a, a walking school bus now that principle might not 
be the best for all situations, but the principle of getting parents together to collectively fight back against this kind of a over nanny generation, this over overprotective parenting thing, and, and indeed to you know to let to encourage the schools to push the limits, to have you know sleepovers, to to get their kids out and about. Now, if I could, I, I, when I'm really stuck with a parent, and I know you'll a lot of maybe educators are listening to this. What I do find is I can walk parents through four questions that are quite succinct that actually get them out of this pattern. And very, very quickly, the four questions are, first, when you were the same age as your child, did you take any risks? And once a parent sort of, you know, chuckles a little bit about that, you say, did you learn anything from taking those risks as a kid? And they usually say something like they learned something. The third question is, were those lessons helpful to you later in life? And usually they say, they reflect on, yes, they learned something. Maybe they'll never date a person like that again or whatever. But then the last question, the fourth question is, how are you going to teach your own child the same life lessons and get them ready for life? That's the, sh- the, 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 the focus, not on what, the focus shouldn't be on stopping the protection. The focus should be on helping us to give our kids the same life lessons that made us who we are as adults. Yeah, that's. I love the um, succinctness of those questions. It does sort of force someone to look at the reality that you know protecting kids to that level um, is not going to work and didn't work in our own childhoods. Because I, you know, similarly often say to people, uh, how many people in this room find the worst moment in their life was made them who they are? And it's the same type of concept. Every hand in the room goes up. It, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I'm going to ask people not to go away because Dr. Unger was kind enough to bring a gift for everybody so come right back and we're going to talk also about social media which is a hot topic can't wait to hear what you have to say about that we will be right back with straight talk with sandra rich your life your health your network You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety. Featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-504. Or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. 
Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at HelpForAnxietyDepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or HelpForAnxietyDepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. Time is flying by. I was just telling Dr. Unger on the break what an amazing straight talker he is. He gets right to the point and he really is teaching us so many great strategies. And I love that because so many people are struggling with this issue. And not only was he kind enough to come on the show and share his strategies, but he has brought a gift along with him for our listeners. Dr. Unger, what is the gift? Well, basically, the, the points I'm making, you can certainly download from uh, from my website, uh, michaelunger.com. You can actually go there and get a, a summary, a nice little, I guess they're like postcards um, on each of the nine things that young people really need to be more resilient and just very succinct strategies, just things that parents can do in their homes and in their lives with their kids, and it's it's all available there on michaelunger.com, and the nice thing is I've set it up so it's free downloads. You know, if you want to read more, sure, order, you know, Too Safe for Their Own, uh, sorry, um, I Still Love You has a longer explanation of each of these things, but on their own, they're just pithy strategies that parents need. I find sometimes it's, it's, it's just that reminder, and they're actually designed to be cut out as a um, uh, almost postcard size kind of printout. And I find that's the kind of thing that people put up in their fridges. Forget all the other, the books gather dust sometimes, but boy, those, those little nine thing postcards that get up on the fridge and just remind you today, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to tie their shoes again. I'm going to let them do this on their own because it says this is kind of what my kid needs. And I find that that's so that's kind of what I've set up for people and made it as, as, as accessible and easy to download as possible. Well, it's very kind of you. And what we did is we put it on the Straight Talk site. So that's straighttalksandareach.com um, forward slash radio gifts. It's there also. Uh, so people can download it. And I, you know, I think I, I, I still think the parent that doesn't rescue their child at school is the anomaly. I still I'm sure many parents find us very odd people in my community here because we will not rescue our children. Uh, it is still not the norm. And yet I also jokingly say when I speak, if you want to make my anxiety clinic rich or make me rich, keep rescuing your kids. Now, I don't say that to be mean. I'd actually rather find other ways to earn money and there's always other ways than having two-year-olds coming in with anxiety problems because it starts very young now before I start to go off onto my soapbox about that I've got to get to the million dollar question which to me is can social media make children resilient or vulnerable everybody wants to know that Dr. Unger so it's unfortunately the answer is as in many you know many things in these fields is it kind of depends. Um, 
the good news side of this is that social media is having a really, and, and I'm going to assert this, that, that social media is having a really positive effect on kids. It's, I'm going to argue that this next generation is less racist, less homophobic, less sexist, more in tune to get involved in social causes, more into fundraising, um, more aware of the world as a global community. You just listen to what kids are listening to on their, you know, on their, um, uh, you know, sort of from their iTunes accounts or whatever, right? They're, they're in a global community of communication and ideas, and that is amazing. That is a gift that we've given them. Now, the other side of that, of course, is it also opens them up to predators and bullying and uh, pornography and many of the risks. But here's the thing. I mean, those, you know, children have been exposed to risks all along. I think our job as parents is, if I could, it's not to put the net nannies on. It's not to sort of say to children, you can't be on the web. I think the job is, as children are growing up, is to give them the skills to know how to be safe. Just like we tell them don't run out between parked cars, so we also have to sit them down in front of a computer. And if you can, keep the computer in a public space in the helm so that when a youngster like a 10 years old is surfing, you're, you're kind of there just passing through occasionally, just watching a little bit of the communication patterns. If you can do that, if you can engage with your child young enough and then coach them, and this is really what I think we're talking about, the solution. I want parents to be involved with their kids. I don't want to give them the message that it's all hands-off and less safe fair parenting. I just want to switch the conversation from protecting them to coaching them while they're young enough so that it's not telling them, don't climb the tree. It's standing there under the tree and saying, well, do you feel safe up there? Do you have a good handhold? Do you know where you're going? Do you know how to get back down? Where do you want me to stand? What kind of help do you need? Suddenly, we're talking about coaching our children into the next phase of life. And the internet is just one of those tools, one of those dangers that they're going to have to learn to navigate and figure out. And I'm just kind of saying there's so much good potential there. We don't want to sort of take it away. What we want to do is, 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 is make it useful. I give another example is health, obviously. Uh, there's so many good um, tools on the internet now to help kids be healthier, to be more mindful, to, um, to, 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 to do good deeds for others. Um, there's a hyper-awareness of children in other, in other countries, in other contexts. Um, there's so much that you can do with that internet. And that's, I guess, what I'm saying to parents is rather than just trying to turn it off, maybe the point is to engage it and you know, realize its potential. Okay. I'm assuming when you, just to make it clear, when you talk about a 10-year-old surfing, we're still talking about limited surfing. I just want to make sure that's clarified because I I, I don't know, maybe we don't agree on this and that's okay. But I I know with anxiety, a lot of time on the internet can lead to more anxiety. So are you talking about limited use of internet or unlimited use? I just want for our listeners to be clear. No, I'm talking about limited. I'm talking about a child who has a healthy amount of time. And unfortunately, you're, you know, the Centers for Disease Control is saying that one of the biggest risks to children's health right now is that excessive use, more than three hours a day of non-school related use of the internet or online systems is, is a serious danger to children's mental and physical health. So we're not talking about that. But what I am talking about is when a child is engaged there is to, is to coach them on how to and how to be there, and 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 in a sense, we're that's our job to be present in our children's lives through each of these dangerous territories. Uh, you know, it's 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 so 
beautifully said and so obvious in a way and we forget it is yes that is our job to coach them through you know treacherous waters if you will the internet crossing the street uh dealing with difficult situations i couldn't agree with you more i i'm 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 very in love with what you're saying and and you have a great way of saying it time has run out i'm not happy because we'll have to have you back because what you're doing is a great service to the world so first of all i really want to thank you for coming on straight talk i also before you go i want to make sure people know how to find you how do they find you if they want to find out more about the work you do um michael unger dot com and that's u-n-g-a-r dot com so it's michaelunger.com is is a great way you'll have lots of information there and of course my psychology today blog uh, again under my name and it's called nurturing resilience if you want to look that up if you're interested in the research side of my work well i'm easy to google and believe me there's a huge research site and lots of lots of information there for those who are more on the, the geeky side and want to delve into the science behind all these ideas there there's a, there's a lot of science that supports these ideas, Sandra, as I'm sure you know, and, and, and that's where the field, we, you know, we've just got to get that information out there to parents and, and ultimately, you know, help kids. Well, uh, you know, it's been an extreme pleasure, and I'm so honored to have you on the show. You, you have what you're, the work you're doing is so important in this world, and the show starts with living, teaching people to live their best lives, and I think you've done a lot for us today. I am definitely going to be in touch with you, and we're going to try to get you back on again, but I want to thank you so much, Dr. Unger, and uh, good luck with your upcoming trip and all the amazing work you do. Well, all the best to you and your listeners. It's been fun, so uh, hats off to you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. I'd also like to like thank our listeners so much for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. I'd like to invite you all to come back next week. And if you're interested in Dr. Unger's work, retreats, therapy, or any other media that was mentioned on this show or previous shows, check out helpforanxietydepression.com. Don't forget, you can go on straighttalksandareach.com, add the forward slash radio gifts to receive amazing free gifts from Dr. Unger and other previous guests that have been on. Uh, you can follow us on our Facebook page, Straight Talk Sandarish as well. Feel free to leave a question for me or for Dr. Unger or any of our guests. And by the way, remember to like us when you're there. You can hear this in any prior show as a podcast on my website, straighttalksandarish.com, on the podcast app of your iPhone or on iTunes under Straight Talk with Sandarish. Feel free anytime to drop me a comment or a question at info at helpforanxietydepression.com. My name is Sandra Reich, and I promise I'll help you learn to live your best life again next Thursday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, this is Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Keep your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and will tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life.